Hi, this is Amy Nash from House of Nash Eats, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, food bloggers, welcome to Eat Blog Talk. I am your host, Megan Porta, and today Amy and I are going to have a super fun chat about how to level up seasonal traffic by rounding out content buckets. Amy is the photographer and recipe developer behind House of Nash Eats, which she started five years ago after short, shortly after having had her jaw broken in five places and living off of protein shakes while her jaw was wired shut for six weeks. She's a former lawyer and adoptive mom who loves sharing family-friendly dinner recipes decadent desserts, and a modern from scratch approach to comfort food. She helps other people gain more confidence in the kitchen and many of her recipes are inspired by having lived in many parts of the country and her travels to other places. Oh my gosh, Amy. Now, after reading through your bio, I kind of remember hearing that story on Instagram about your jaw, which, oh my goodness, that is so crazy. And I can imagine that was kind of a heart-wrenching, but I'm sure you've taken good things from it, right? We all grow from those hard situations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm just thrilled to have you here today. Thank you so much for being here. But we all want to hear your fun fact before we dive into our topic. Okay, thanks for having me, Megan. Um, I thought about what to do for my fun fact. And usually it's about breaking my job, but I or like having that broken. But I thought I'd actually share that when I was a kid um, growing up, all over, but in Southern California for part of my childhood, I was a performer and I loved to sing and dance. And I regularly performed at Disneyland on one of their stages um, in a song in a children's theater group. Oh my gosh, that's really cool. How long did you do that? Um, that was like probably three and a half years before we moved again and I couldn't do it anymore but it was like my childhood dream to one day work at Disneyland and like be one of the performers because I love that experience so much. Oh I love that. So I have to ask because I lived a few years in Southern California as a kid too. Where in Southern California were you when you were a kid? Um, I was a little bit inland in a city called Chino Hills. Oh I'm familiar. So I grew up in or I didn't grow up. I lived in Palm Springs with my mom for, I don't know, like fifth, sixth, seventh grade, I think. So yeah, I know where Chino Hills is. Cool. Yeah. Good to have that in common with you. But I was not a Disneyland performer, which sounds way cooler than what I did. (laughs) So I love that fun fact. And you're here today to talk about leveling up seasonal traffic, which I think is so huge. It's something that we don't always think about. And you mentioned in the um, topic title, rounding out content buckets. Can you kind of talk us through what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So like when I very first started my blog, I remember setting up categories and I was like, oh, I don't have enough um, recipes in this particular category. And so I would kind of focus on that. And I guess that's what I think of as a content bucket is like, like a category that needs to be filled out all the way, like how we group our content together. So, I mean, a lot of us have categories ranging from, I don't know, like five to what do people have, like up to 20-ish. How do you find those categories that you really need to round out or do you round out all of them? Um, That's a great question. So I, I guess the reason this like really 
came to like the front of my thinking when I like saw a few years back how everybody would get on around Thanksgiving and talk about how they were seeing these huge spikes in traffic. And I never had that um, like ever. And I was like, what is wrong with me? What's going on? Why don't I see the same like seasonal spikes, especially like in November, which was just totally steady for me. And so I really like assessed and I, I guess I thought in my head that I had Thanksgiving type foods on there. But when I really looked, all I had was like five pies and a turkey. And that was it. In our minds, I do this too. I'm like, wait, I have, you know, fill in the blank, like Thanksgiving food or Easter food. And then when we actually dig in, it's like, oh, wait, I've got a carrot cake and scalloped potatoes, which are great recipes. But if people are coming to find an Easter menu, that's probably not their idea of an of a like a whole Easter meal. So how did you go about like fixing that once you found that you only had a handful of supporting Thanksgiving recipes? Yeah, so um, that's exactly like how I felt about it. So I decided I would take like a menu based approach. And I really decided to dive in specifically for Thanksgiving. And since then, I've done this for each of the holidays or other like events that come around. Um, And I just sat down and I brainstormed like, what are all of the Thanksgiving foods, whether they're on my blog or not, like what does my family eat and what do other people tend to eat and look for at Thanksgiving? And I just did a brain dump and listed out like everything I could possibly think of. And then I thought about like what I actually had and most of it I didn't have on there. And then I really like assessed my own blog and my own approach and how I would present these recipes to somebody um, in my way. And so my food tends to be mostly from scratch, um, comfort food recipes. So, I mean, it seems so obvious that I should have Thanksgiving recipes on there because so much of it is comfort food. But like instead of doing like um, green bean casserole, for example, um, instead of doing it with like canned green beans and cream of chicken or mushroom soup, I would do it with fresh green beans doing a from scratch like sauce. And I've even done like the French fried onions, like the crispy onions um, from scratch too. So that would be my approach. And I kind of took that approach for each of like the popular Thanksgiving side dishes. And I really focused on providing an entire Thanksgiving meal. Um, If people stopped on my blog and they found it, I wanted to be able to say, hey, look, if you like this recipe and my approach to it, you'll probably also like my approach to cranberry sauce or um, cream corn or any of the other like sweet potato casserole, any of the other Thanksgiving sides. So I could have a full menu. Oh, that's smart. And I like that you put your touch on it too. So your from scratch kind of spin, you put that into every recipe. And there are a lot of people who I'm sure really appreciate that because pouring green beans out of a can and then topping it with cream of mushrooms, mushroom soup is kind of gross. <laughs> the thought of that is like, oh, Amy is much more fresh and she delivers something from scratch. So you're kind of carrying your theme through those Thanksgiving themes. Yeah. And I think that there's like I mean, some people are going to way prefer that other approach, like the very traditional approach of the cream of chicken soup. And it's people who like don't want to make everything from scratch and want an easier, simpler 
version. And that's totally fine. And I think the point of it is like you think through your audience and your own personal taste and what they want. And maybe it's going to be an entirely Southern Thanksgiving or an Italian family's approach to Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving for two or whatever it is. But you fill out that full menu. And the really cool thing is like when I did that and took that approach, the following year I had numerous people respond saying that they did an entirely House of Nash Eats Thanksgiving that year. And like every recipe that was on their table came from my site. And that was like so flattering and like so rewarding since I had very intentionally put in the effort to achieve that kind of result. And I actually, for the first time ever, saw the spike that I had always heard about and had never been able to achieve. That's so awesome. So where do you recommend other bloggers start with this as far as like which seasons or holidays to start with? And then um, like, where do they start with recipes? And when do we do it off season? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, Ideally, I would say you would start posting your content for the upcoming season six to eight eight weeks ahead. I think that's kind of like the rule of thumb that a lot of us have been told. But I will say that for me, like I started with Thanksgiving and I started way late and I started posting all of my Thanksgiving menu stuff that year in November. And just every, like I post three days a week typically. And for Every day in November, I posted my entire Thanksgiving menu, and I knew even like the few days before Thanksgiving that there was very little likelihood that anybody would actually see or make the recipes that year, and they didn't. But the following year, those recipes were the ones that actually spiked and skyrocketed, and they had had a whole year to gain the momentum and the SEO boost. And so sometimes I wonder about that and I'm not an expert in this by any means, but I wonder if like they got their initial feet off the ground in the month when people were actually looking for them like November rather than posting them so much farther in advance. And by the time the following year came around, they had that initial boost plus a year to gain some authority and some like, age, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And it's never too late. I think if it is the beginning of November and you're thinking like Amy was like, oh, is this a little cutting it close? I say like if you have a menu prepared and you have recipes you want to create and share, do it right. I mean, get it out there. If nothing else, like your example, you can reap the benefits the following year and maybe just maybe you can get some traction yet during that year but I say like just do it that's exactly right and I even had I think it was cranberry jello that I had made for Thanksgiving and took a picture of it like on Thanksgiving day and posted it the day after Thanksgiving thinking well I'll forget about this by next year so I'll just do it while it's fresh and people still eat a lot of the same foods for Christmas and so it did well for Christmas and the following year and ever since then that silly cranberry jello has been one of my top performing Thanksgiving posts. That's great. Yeah, because um, Thanksgiving food and Christmas food and Easter food really kind of all blend together a lot of it. So you never know. Create something, put it out there, and it could gain traction even if you don't think it could. What are your thoughts about like creating something like a theme, you know, for with your example, Thanksgiving food? 
And then let's say you create like a whole menu and then other options that could be made. So maybe instead of green beans, you could make asparagus or whatever. How do you interlink all of that to make it kind of a big web of Thanksgiving food? Okay, so that's a really great question. Um, I think there are a couple of approaches. One is to do a roundup where you put together like a menu plan of your Thanksgiving menu and it's a roundup style post um, and you can link to all of those. And that can do well. Um, What I feel like has worked best in my situation at least is I watch for the ones that start doing well, like my cranberry jello or my green bean casserole, which are kind of the two that do best. And then I go into those and I will then link to my other holiday posts that support that menu within that post. And I try to put some at the top and some in the middle, um, like the body of the post and some toward the end just for the recipe card where I have like a little list of like other side dishes to go with this. Um, So I kind of spread it throughout the whole post and that has seemed to work best for me because it leverages the performance of those couple of posts that do best and it funnels some of it into some of the other dishes and it gets people clicking around your site which is also going to help with your SEO for all of all of that content. Okay, I love your suggestion to put the links at the top, middle and bottom. That is not something I typically do. I mean, I do scatter a little bit throughout like I'll reference like, I don't know, apple pie from an apple bars post at the top, but I don't do a collection like related links. Do you do that or do you kind of just scatter them around or do you know what I'm saying? Like, do you create a block of related links at the top, middle and bottom or how do you structure that? Yeah, I kind of do a little bit of each and it sort of depends on the post. Like, and it kind of depends on like where it makes sense, right? So if I'm writing a post about a Thanksgiving turkey, for example, like I know I'm unlikely to rank really highly for a Thanksgiving turkey, but I can use that post to, through the body of the post, talk about how I love it with stuffing and mashed potatoes and gravy and link to all of those in the body of the post. And then at the end of the post, I'll do a block and I'll list some of my other sides in that block. That makes sense. And I have to say that I've been dabbling with roundups. I think you were in a couple clubhouse rooms where we were talking about this, actually, Amy. Um, And roundups, for some reason, are taking off for me. Like Within a month of putting a roundup up, like great holiday sides or something like that, they're taking off. And I don't know if it's just my niche or just luck or what, but don't discount the roundup because they can be really powerful. I want to say it was July, end of July, I put up a roundup, just kind of threw it out into the ether, no expectations. And less than a month later, it was my top like three posts, Oh wow! tons of traction. I think roundup posts are very powerful. They can be, they're not always, but depending on how you put them together, they can be great resources for people. And then interlinking those too from the individual recipes that you talk about inside the post. I mean, there's a lot of interlinking opportunities with Roundup posts too. Oh, absolutely. And with Roundups, the great thing is with this holiday type of approach, you can do multiple Roundups. And one could be like, 
a roundup of vegetable sides and one could be like the main dish options because maybe not everybody likes turkey and there's so many other alternatives or like alternative Thanksgiving desserts instead of pie or, you know, there's just so many different kinds of roundups that you can repurpose a lot of this content and provide more links and it will benefit your readers to have exactly what they're looking for. There are so many different spins you could put just on Thanksgiving sides, right? Like you could do meatless or potato or easy or three-step. I mean, we could go on and on. The options are endless. I'm going to pause really quick so we can take a really super fast break to talk about some things that eBlog Talk has to offer. We will see you back here in a minute. Hey, food bloggers. Do you ever get caught up in the confusion about how in the world you are going to make money? Take the free quiz I've put together for you that is going to help you get to the bottom of this problem. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash quiz to find out which stream of revenue is the next perfect one for you. Your results will be personalized based on your answers and they will provide you with action steps and resources that will help you launch into monetizing your blogging business in a new way. There are truly so many ways to make money as a food blogger, so don't waste another second. Again, go to eblogtalk.com forward slash quiz and get started on your next revenue stream today. Hey guys, just reminding you to head over to iTunes if you haven't already to subscribe, rate, and review Eat Blog Talk. It adds value to this podcast when you do that, and I would be so grateful for your time. It will take two minutes, press pause, go do it, and come back and keep listening. Did you do it? Did you go subscribe, rate, and review? <laughs> just kidding. Well, kind of. I really would appreciate it. But we are back from the break, and we are going to continue this amazing conversation with Amy. So speaking of repurposing, what do you feel about like taking some of your popular content and repurposing them so that they have more of a holiday spin or a Thanksgiving spin or a Christmas spin? Okay, so I love this idea. And this kind of happened because I had a post on my site for a Jello. I'm talking about Jello a lot here, which is <laughs> like really kind of ridiculous. And yes, my family lives in Utah. Um, I'm in California, but I have Utah roots. So um, we like Jello. But I had this layered Jello that I did for um, St. Patrick's Day, and it's a, like a rainbow Jello. And then um, a friend of mine remade it for the 4th of July, and she used red, white, and blue colors. And it was just so cute, and I loved it so much. And so I've done like a Halloween version, and you can do a Christmas version. And there's all these different versions that you could do of the exact same recipe. And there are so many recipes like that, like cinnamon rolls or puppy chow or like Chex Muddy Buddies or M&M cookies and you just use the different colored sprinkles or candies or whatever to put a holiday spin on that same recipe and you could give it its own separate post and write a post about it if you feel like that would be the best approach for your blog and maybe it would do really well on Pinterest um, and drive traffic to that post or you could just like use those images within that original post and maybe add those in like a little idea. Like you could do a variation on this recipe and here are just like an image or two showing how I've done it and use those for social media to promote 
the original version of the post. Mm, I love that idea. I did something similar kind of without even intentionally thinking about it, but I have a really good sugar cookie recipe that I usually frost for Christmas, like holiday baking. And one year I made um, holiday, uh, sorry, Halloween cookies, like ghosts and pumpkins, and it was the same recipe. So I didn't create a new recipe post, but I did put it on social media as Halloween, you know, around Halloween time, but then linking to my sugar cookie recipe. That's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. Although there are going to be some people who, like, I, I have told people in in posts or told readers like, oh, you could do this holiday version, but I haven't included the image showing it. And some people just won't see it until you actually provide a picture and show it to them, or they might even need a post. So like there's probably SEO, I'm sure there's SEO for Halloween sugar cookies, and you could do a post for that. So sometimes like a regular sugar cookie recipe might be harder like more competitive to rank for, but you might have a better chance at ranking for Halloween sugar cookie or Easter sugar cookies or whatever the holiday is. So there are circumstances where it might be worth doing the separate post. Oh my gosh. You know, it's funny, Amy, I just typed that in and you are number five (laughs) for Halloween sugar cookies. That is super funny. Um, yeah, I guess I never considered that. I mean, great point. You will definitely rank better for something really specific like that than just like sugar cookies. There's got to be like a bajillion of those out there. But would you change the recipe? And do you know, is it okay to have the same exact recipe two or three times on your blog? Um, yeah, from everything I understand, it's totally fine to have the same recipe on your site um, multiple times. Um, as long as you're varying, varying the keywords within your post and it's like a different type of content, like Halloween sugar cookies has its own SEO versus like cut out sugar cookies, um, or soft sugar cookies. And as long as you're varying your content, it's fine to have the same recipe. Um, I think like a lot of us will develop recipes using like a base recipe, like brownies. I have the same brownie recipe on my site multiple times and all I'll do is like add a frosting to it or add a different mix in but really it's the same brownie recipe that I'm just repurposing over and over because I know it works ah I love this okay I'm tapping into opportunity here that is that is great advice and I just had to look at your jello because you mentioned jello so your your layered rainbow jello is beautiful <laughs> oh thanks <laughs> and I have a funny story about jello so it's kind of a thing here in Minnesota too and one of my husband's sisters always brings a jello salad to every holiday that we go to together and it's a joke we're like Carolyn where's your jello and if she doesn't show up with jello we get mad at her but then I don't know. It's just this funny thing. So it's kind of a joke in our family. So we love the jello salads. They are definitely a thing in Minnesota. Are they not in California? Um, I don't think so as much, but I, I moved all over. I probably moved 18 times before I was 20 years old. So I've lived everywhere and Midwest was a big part of that. And we ate lots of jello salads there. So I don't know. I'm a jello girl. Yes, same. 
Well, I have, I share that with you too. Um, I also moved a lot. I probably about 18 times as well. So maybe sometime we can compare stories and see if we maybe crossed paths anywhere. Probably. I know. Um, Okay, so let's go beyond um, repurposing popular content. I love that idea. This springs a whole new world of opportunity to me personally. And you mentioned like doing a series, like putting a series together that maybe is themed around like a specific holiday like Thanksgiving. Talk to us about that. Okay, so I love the idea of doing a series with your blog. Um, And I was just thinking about, so I have a series that I do that is called American Eats and it's inspired by like the content I tend to consume, which is all of the, um, the articles that you'll see that are like the 50, like the, the pie from every state or the sandwich from every state. And whenever I see those on like MSN, I always click through and read those. Cause I lived in so many different places that I always want to see where they're from. And as I, considered those, I realized that's what I loved writing about. And so I do a series where I posted some of the most popular recipes from each state or the foods that they were known for and just take that approach. And as I started doing that, I loved the engagement I got from my audience who had kind of come out of the woodworks to share what state they were from and what foods I should do there and what they liked about it. Um, And it really opened up a lot of opportunities. And so I was thinking about doing series, like a series based on whatever your interest is around a holiday. So like if you love doing air fryer recipes, do a series of air fryer Thanksgiving recipes. Or if you really like doing Instant Pot recipes, you could do Instant Pot Christmas. And it doesn't mean that your blog has to have that as their niche. You can still post other recipes, but by doing it as a series, you can invite your readers to try a different method of cooking some of their favorite dishes this year for a purpose to free up your oven space, to do things ahead. Like you could do a series of like all make ahead Thanksgiving meals. So your Thanksgiving is totally done like a week in advance. And that could be a series. Oh, that's appealing, right? So how do you promote that to your audience? Do you deliver it through emails? Do you mostly focus on social media? How do you do that? Oh, that's, there are so many ways. Um, and I'm still like just scratching the surface of like ways to promote this kind of thing. Um, this year I've been implementing a challenge approach on my site where I've been doing a monthly theme and I choose the theme and I promote it at the beginning of the month through a blog post and then on social media. And I invite my readers to make a recipe that fits with the theme. So like, for example, in February, it was chocolate and they could just make any chocolate recipe from the site and send me a picture of it to be entered in a, like tie it with a little giveaway at the end of each month. And so you could do this, whatever series or theme you come up with and make it a challenge for your readers and say, Hey guys, let's try making like a recipe for Thanksgiving in the instant pot. And send me a picture of it and I'll do a little giveaway or drawing. And it's been so fun because I have had so many readers that I didn't even realize were my loyal fans 
start communicating with me and really engaging and participating and sharing and emailing me when they have never emailed before. And it's almost like they needed an invitation to show me what they had been making. And I was giving them permission to just reach out and show me what they had done as part of my challenge. Oh, I love that. So does Facebook, do you use Facebook to engage with people too? Or is it mostly through Instagram and email and blog post? So I don't use Facebook as much. Um, I have friends in mastermind groups who do, and they've had really good success with that. So I know it can be done. Um, I mostly do Instagram um, and that's what works best for me, especially in my Instagram stories is where I've had the best success through this. But um, if you have a good email base, that could be a really good approach too. And I've worked on growing that this year and I'm starting to see some results by taking this approach through my email list as well. So you can really make it work through, I think any of the social channels that work best for you and your site. I feel like this is a really good time to experiment with something like that because the holidays just kind of look different now. Like, you know, what you just said, people might be wanting to prepare more ahead of time or maybe they're having smaller gatherings or they want to open up their kitchen more or whatever it is. Things are just different. So presenting them with kind of a way to do that, I think is such a great idea. I absolutely love that. Yeah. And it's a great opportunity to do like a smaller challenge. Like my challenge has been going on all year, every month, but you could do it just for one month and see how it goes. Like maybe it's at Christmas and you focus on like your heritage by doing like Italian Christmas recipes and share those and invite people to make some Italian Christmas recipes or a Christmas recipe from your site that like reflects their heritage and like it's a it's just a fun way to like share with each other and get really natural like organic engagement. Mm, and we all want that. We all want that organic engagement because things can get stale once in a while. So this is a really great way to kind of boost that. So I'm going to put you on the spot with this, but what is your what are your tips for Q4 especially this year? It's kind of weird like people don't know Are people getting together or not? Like things are up in the air. Do you have any Q4 tips for us that can just help us navigate this season a little bit better? Let's see. I would say that like my best tips for like navigating Q4 are just going to be to continue to put out things that are fun and maybe a little different. Like at least in my experience and with my readers, they tend to react well to new versions of recipes that they're still familiar with or comfortable with. And so like maybe they'll really love cinnamon roll recipes, but if you provide them a cinnamon roll recipe that's got a slightly different flavor profile, that's still comfortable and familiar to them, but they like the challenge of doing like an eggnog version or a peppermint version or like a toffee version of something that they already know and love. I like that. So you can kind of look at your most popular content maybe for Q4 and just put a unique spin on it and test it out and see how people receive it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because I mean, I think you'll know your readers best and if 
if they are having large gatherings, then that's great and provide content that focuses on that. And if you feel like they're going to keep it small and and close, then you can provide content that way. I think um, it's always helpful in posts, especially around the holidays, to provide as much like additional information as you can about like freezing leftovers or how long things will last. Um, because not everybody has huge families. And so if you make these huge recipes, they will want to know, can it be halved easily? Or can we store more of it so we don't have as much food waste? And adding that to each of these types of posts only benefits the reader and only helps the post. And I think it encourages readers to actually dive into your post and your content because it's more approachable. Like, oh, she's providing me with all of this information up front. So I am much more likely to make her recipe versus one that doesn't have that information. I think that's really solid advice. Um, is there anything else, Amy, that we've missed about just rounding out our content buckets? Do you have anything about uh, like people just getting started with this that maybe just are starting to create a base of content or taking things to the next level or anything along those lines? Yeah. Um, one thing that has worked really well for me is to separate my content out a little bit. And let me explain a little what I mean by that. Um, like for example, I did one year gingerbread cupcakes and I made an eggnog buttercream to go with them. And initially, I just posted them as one recipe on the site, like the cupcakes with the buttercream. But then I realized that there was SEO for eggnog buttercream, and the competition was much lower to rank for that recipe. And so I did a separate post on the eggnog buttercream frosting that I had made. And then I linked those two together. Well, it was much easier for me to rank for something like eggnog buttercream frosting than it was for gingerbread cupcakes, which had a lot more competition. And I could then create this frosting category, which I like I have a bunch of frosting recipes on my site. And I could say, look, if you want if you don't like eggnog, instead make these gingerbread cupcakes with salted caramel frosting or whatever other frosting it was. And it helped my gingerbread cupcake recipe perform better because even though I thought that's the one that might be do better initially it was there was too much competition for me and so I performed better on the frosting itself so you can separate out your content to have more posts and one might perform at a higher level than the other one will and they can kind of bootstrap each other and it's built-in content right so it's stuff that you already have created the recipes written you already have photos maybe you could take you know other supporting photos but it's already there so you could comb through your stuff today and maybe separate out a few i love that that's like a no-brainer let's just sort through what we've got and make the most of it absolutely and it definitely like frees you up and eases the burden when it's already a busy time of year if you don't have to make as much because you can already use things that you've already made to provide content that might just do better anyway you have given me a few really great ideas that i wish i had time to do today but maybe tomorrow (laughs) so thank you amy this has been super fun is there anything we're missing before we start saying goodbye no i think that's it Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time for us today for food bloggers and just adding value here. We appreciate you and we would love to hear either a favorite quote or words of inspiration that you have. Sure. So um, 
I had to go look, but I found this really great quote from actually Calvin Coolidge. Um, but I love this so much. He said that nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Genius will not. Education will not. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan press on has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. And I love this because I'm not the most talented person or like the like most genius person, but I'm very persistent. And I think when you like take that approach and like really work on developing your grit and continuing to persevere and just putting in the effort day after day, that's when you really see results. Oh, that was so well said. I fully agree with that. And I always think of um, Shawshank Redemption at the end when we see that he's built this entire tunnel to escape the prison with a little rock hammer. And like what, like there's no message that drives that home more than that because he was so persistent. He just kept at it. Um, so I love that message. Thank you for wrapping up that way. So we'll put together a show notes page for you, Amy. If anyone wants to go peek at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash house of Nash eats. Tell everyone where they can find you online, on Instagram, your blog. Where should we go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find me online at house of Nash eats um, anywhere at all of the social media channels, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. It's all house of Nash eats. Awesome. Thank you again so much, Amy, for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.